0: Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk.
1: For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh
0: Wow, wonderful to hear that scripture, wonderful to be part of this worshipping community and doing this live. It's so good to be in Westminster Chapel. It's good to see so many people who are serving. I mean, normally I'm just watching it on a screen, but to be here and to see how many people serve us so well with tech teams, about 10 people in the room with the worship team. I'm so grateful for all those people serving behind the scenes, as I know you are. And uh, isn't it lovely to have it a little bit more spring-like? I hope you had a great day yesterday enjoying the sunshine and just thinking, actually, there's an end in sight. Uh, Even the announcements with Boris, wow, I can't wait for the day when we're back in this room, uh, just enjoying each other's company again, enjoying fellowship and coffee. And it's going to be such a, such a wonderful time. Um, it was on a beautiful day about 15 years ago that I took my two boys out fishing, uh, loaded up the boat with all the tackle and the fuel. And we set out across uh, the bay uh, outside of Bournemouth and we were going flat out about you know 15 miles an hour on water when three miles off the shore, there was an enormous crack. And uh, the boat had hit a sort of like a huge, great wooden pole submerged in the water. And within a split second, water is gushing into the cabin of our boat. And I'm saying to my sons, bail, bail, quick, get the water out. Now on that day, it was a wonderful sight to see a boat travelling towards us called the RNLI, who made their way through a rope, towed us back safely into harbour, and I have been a member of RNLI ever since. Uh, And their motto, if you don't know their motto, their motto is, With courage, nothing is impossible. With courage, nothing is impossible. It's a sort of motto I'd want to have on us as a church Uh, And uh, in these stormy waves that we have been going through, and they have been stormy in the choppy seas where everything seems topsy-turvy and water seems to be gushing in and we wonder, are we going to survive? Are we going to drown? Are we going to end up at the bottom of the ocean? It is wonderful this morning to be talking about something more powerful than the RNLI, something which can save many more lives than the RNLI, something which is more beautiful than a spotless bride on her wedding day, something which is more impressive than the Shard or the Empire State Building, something which has greater capacity for for medicine and help and recovery than the NHS, and it's a wonderful NHS. Aren't we thankful to God for the NHS? Something which is able to rescue more poor people off the streets than crisis. I'm talking, of course, about the local church and hope for the church. I want to encourage you as members of the church, as you're thinking about what lies ahead for us As a church, I want you to see this church like a lifeboat bouncing across the waves, even this morning, making our way towards vessels and individuals that have got into trouble and rescuing them and bringing them into the the beauty, the wonder, the joy of what it means to be church together. And... The context of what we're going to look at this morning, which is building a church of observable glory, is the backdrop that we just had in our reading, that what we once were, what we once were, where we were aliens, where we were lost, where we were dead in trespasses and sins, as as, as Ephesians 2 begins, when we look at how the brokenness of the world, how totally lost we were to God and to each other and how our world today is broken and fragmented with ageism and and racism and sexism and all the isms that split us and divide us. I need to remind you, brothers and sisters, this morning that there is something more powerful, more beautiful, more wonderful that we are being wonderfully saved out of and into Than just our salvation to sort of cling on till we get to heaven. No, we've been rescued and brought into the local church. And the local church is the hope for the world. It is light in the darkness. It is the lifeboat that God has commissioned here in Westminster and all over the nations to bring rescue and deliverance to a nation and to nations of people who are lost. And so there are three powerful pictures in the. Text we have looked at this morning, which contains so many, so much wonderful teaching. The sense in, in me that thinks, well, there must be at least 10 messages from these three pictures. And of course, I've got only a few minutes to describe and try and help you with it this morning. So have your Bibles open. And I want to try, if I can, just to nail one nail three times. By asking you three questions and it's to do with are you livingly connected to the local church? Do you see yourself as building this incredible church here at Westminster Chapel, building a church of observable glory? Because I believe that's what God would challenge each of us with this morning. And so, If we turn back to the text, if you've got your Bibles open, Paul writes here, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people. So, my first bang, my first question is, are you building the city of God? You're no longer, Paul says, you're no longer aliens, you're no longer not belonging. You're no longer looking over the garden wall at some family carrying on. You're no longer traveling or trying to cross the English Channel to get be, to be part of Great Britain. You're no longer in that position. You've now been brought into citizenship with the people of God. And citizenship implies a city. It implies almost, if you can think of it like Monaco or, 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 or some other state and. And country united, Vatican City perhaps is a good good illustration. Paul is driving this point home that our membership, once we become Christians, once the grace of God is received into our lives, our membership is to this community, to this city. If you like, for Westminster Chapel, a city within a city. Our identity think of those people who are desperate to get to the united kingdom at the moment i don't know if you've seen any of the documentaries people in camps in greece and their longing is to be to have the queen as their queen to be able to be a member of this United Kingdom, to work under its laws, to give taxes into its system, to have the freedom that this country enjoys. That's their dream, their longing. They want to identify. They want to leave behind in order to identify with. And Paul is driving this very picture here. That our allegiance, our loyalty, our significance, our label isn't what we used to be. Oh, I used to be a, a part of that group. I used to be a, an anarchist. I used to be part of the, the this, this football team. And that was my greatest allegiance and loyalty. Paul is saying, no, no, no. You've been rescued from that. That, that divide and divide and divide world and brought into this incredible citizenship. You and I are citizens, fellow citizens. Belonging to the city of God. Do you remember Paul, when he explained how powerful Roman citizenship was? When he was in prison and you're a Roman citizen? Well, we don't do this to Romans. Well, we are belonging. Our citizenship, brothers and sisters, our identity isn't that I am British or I'm Ghanaian. Or american That's my highest loyalty. My highest loyalty is not to my football club or to, to, to the association I belong to, not to my family, my highest allegiance, my, my, my great raison d'etre, my purpose in life. And that identity is that I am a citizen of the king of kings and I'm a citizen of the city of God and the city of God is the local church. And you want to find your identity, Paul says, in that. So I want to ask you this question. Are you rolling up your sleeves? Are you, are you about to start to build a, a city of observable glory that this church, Westminster Chapel, emerges in London in all the darkness and all the chaos and all the hurt? And we emerge to shine light into the darkness. You know what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount? You are the light of the world. A city that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp, he says, and puts it under a bowl. No, we let our light shine before men. They may see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. So first question, first nail being hit. Are you building the city of God? Are you building this church? Are you rolling up your sleeves? Even as I'm speaking this morning, say, Yes! That's how God wants you to be. The second question, and it's related in the same verse, is are you building the family of God? So he says, consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Members of his household. Now, this is... Suddenly changing the metaphor from a city and belonging to this identity of, of, of this people group that we're now identified with. Now it's moving to a family. That feels a little bit more intimate, doesn't it? It's not sort of like, oh yeah, I'm a, I'm, I belong to the British Empire. I'm belonging part of the United Kingdom. That's my identity. And I'm belonging to the local church and that's my identity. Now he's, he's pulling it a little bit more closer in and saying, no... Our identity in our togetherness is familial. We are family. We are members of God's household. So let us explore this metaphor a little bit more clearly. In a household, you have Father. And Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. So we're reminded that the local church has a Father that we are centering our lives to, listening to, looking heavenward to, and praying to on a daily basis. Thank God for all the prayer and the prayer initiatives out of this beautiful church in the last year or so. We pray to our Father in heaven. But Jesus, who brings us to the Father in the way it's just been described in Ephesians 2, is also our elder brother. So he shows us, brothers and sisters, how we are to live, how we're to relate to each other, how we're to speak to God our Father, how we're to do family. And in Matthew chapter 12, verse 48, there's an incredible narrative which is so provoking that if we were to read it and understand it, it would offend us, it would offend us to our core, when Jesus is in ministry, maybe exposing himself and pushing himself out there, that his mother and brothers come in order to take him home. Knocking on the door, hey, mum's here, Jesus, mum's here, wants to take you home. And you know what Jesus says? Jesus says, who is my mother? who are my brothers? And he points to his disciples and he said, these are my mother and brothers. In other words, what Jesus is forming in that discipleship group as he's beginning to build his church, his physical church on earth, he says their identity, they are family. They're more important than the Physical family, this is a family that I'm birthing, which is more important and owes greater allegiance and commitment to. I can remember many years ago leading or trying to lead a young Chinese woman to faith in Jesus Christ and it was a stumbling block to her that actually she was going to give an allegiance to God her Father and an allegiance to the church which was greater than her allegiance to her family because she said family always in my culture comes first. Let that provoke you and me this morning. And just to drive the point home because there's many scriptures we could turn to in 1 Timothy 5 verses 1 and 2 it says, do not rebuke an older man hastily but exhort him as he were your father. Treat young men as brothers, older women as mothers, and young women as sisters with absolute purity. In other words, Paul is saying, I want you, when you're thinking about church, to think family. Let it provoke you to think family. So if we have been thinking, oh, I'm going to church for one hour on a Sunday morning? Is that helpful in terms of family? Imagine me as a father saying, I'm coming to do family for one hour this week. In fact, I tell you what kids, I'm going to do a podcast and you can listen to dad as you have your cereal in the morning. Isn't that enough? That's not family, is it? It's not family as we understand family. Family is every day living in each other's lives and growing up together and doing things together and sharing everything in our experiences. Well, that's something of the provocation of you are fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. So let me challenge you with a few hallmarks of what that might look like, or how it might affect you in your thinking this morning. Because I I, I know, I know in my own thinking, I sadly have often got into the thing of, whew, done church. You never do family, do you? You never do family. You might meet together and you might all go home again because the family's grown up and go to you. But you've never done family. You never do church. It's not something that sort of you just turn up to and do for an hour on a Sunday. It is all embracing. It includes all of life. So here's seven hallmarks of what family could look like and would challenge you with. First is this, blood is thicker than water. We've heard that as a saying in the world. Talk about our friendships. Yeah, we've got friends, but actually our family blood is thicker than water. Well, let me tell you, brothers and sisters, tell that point, the blood of Jesus Christ, this incredible redemption. He himself is our peace. He's taken away the dividing wall. He set aside in his flesh the law. His purpose was to create peace. How did he create peace? Through his body, through his blood that was shed. His blood is thicker than any man-made or human DNA. His blood has brought about this wonderful connection that we can become family, brothers and sisters, chosen by Almighty God. Secondly, your birth is a mark of, of grace, your divine birth into this family is all of God's grace. Now, excuse this illustration, I read this illustration, and it, just in terms of a natural, your natural birth, think about your life today. Think about, hey, how did I arra- arrive on planet Earth? Well, the person who wrote this article said, imagine 50 million swimmers on the side of the Thames, on, the, on, on, the, on Chelsea Bridge, diving into the Thames. And the Thames isn't of water, but it's sort of copydex glue. And these swimmers are swimming, thrashing their way upstream to get to Battersea Bridge. And there's one ovum, one female, moving her way down. 50 million swimmers desperately trying. One hits the bullet, grabs hold of the female, and conception happens. You were a miracle in that whole race. When you think, oh, I'm not that significant. Well, you've already fought off 50 million others. Well done. But you didn't do it. No, exactly, that's my point. Your life has been brought around by what? Naturally, or DNA might be said, well, that's a complete accident or incredible miracle that that life begins. Well, let me tell you, in a far, far more greater way, across the universe, across history, across the millennia, across all of, all of life that's ever been before, anything was created, God set his love upon you. God sent his divine messenger so that on a certain day, in a certain way, your heart would be open to the conception of heaven and you were born again. It is by grace you have been saved. That is the, the, the amazement of our salvation. I love those verses, underlined in my Bible. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourself. It is the gift of God. So everybody in the church family in Westminster Chapel, just understand this, are your family brought around by the grace of God in the same way as you were. So there's no boasting, there's no I'm in and you're out, no class system in the church, we've been rescued and saved by grace. Thirdly, you did not choose your siblings. How do you get on with your brothers and sisters? How, how do you get on with them? It's like, you didn't choose them, did you? So even if they're slightly different from you, if they're annoying, many of them are, aren't they? You get on. You make things work, don't you? You never say to your siblings, one more time and I'm out of this family. You don't do that. you got to work through difficulties, you've got to work through situations, you've got to work through to a place of forgiveness and closeness. That's part of the family. In john, john fifteen, sixteen, Jesus says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to bear fruit. Friendship. What sets friendship apart from family is it, there's a choice. As you're listening to this message today, God would say you have a choice. The world builds friendship on a whole raft of you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. or you do this for me, I'll do that for you, or we all like the same football team, or we all like the same shopping area, or we're all from the same background of we're all Asian, or we're all middle class, and it forms friendships in that way. But the Church of Jesus Christ, their friendships are a matter of choosing because of God's choice. We choose people that wouldn't be naturally like us to love them and build a relationship with them so that we might display something of the grace and glory of God. We make those choices on a daily basis. Fourthly, money is no object in a family. Family, you want to you do things with family, don't you? let's go on holiday. Well, hang on. How much is that going to cost? How much? Who's paying for this? Let's all go for the pub. Hang on. Before we go to the pub, what is everybody going to have? Just want to make sure we've got enough money here. no, You do things willingly, you throw money at it, you throw time at it, you throw possessions at it, because family is wonderful and you want to invest into family. So when it comes to each other, when it comes to building the church, we just throw money at the church because we have a Father in heaven who provides and we want to do each other good. So the family of the church should be the most generous family on earth. How are you doing with your salvation? You may be converted is your wallet is your purse. Fifthly, families welcome the odd. Heather's aunt, she was odd. She used to try her hair in the oven. Took the oven door off, and you should try her hair in the oven. She was bonkers. She was. But we all loved her. Auntie Mary's coming. Auntie Mary who. Just is a bit weird, but we love her. That's what families do. So in the church, we've got a few odd, oddities. Mostly in the leadership team, I'll give you, but there are others. And we're called to love them, to embrace them, to serve them. Welcoming the prodigal home, welcoming the person who's not like us, whether it's their skin colour, whether it's their background, whether it's their poor and they smell. We are meant to be a community, a family, which loves in the same way as we have been loved. Sixthly, the love we are to have for each other is
2: deeper than an emotional love. It is a supernatural love. It says here in 1 John 3 14. We know that we have passed from death to life. How do you do that? says me to John. Because we have each because we love each other. Anyone who does not love
0: remains in death another challenging point here we love not as the world loves we love with God's divine love and if we don't love we haven't passed from death into life so we need to redefine friendship I know this is a little bit challenging and you'll probably hate me for saying it but if you've got 500 friends on Facebook You probably haven't. You've probably
2: got 500 people who know you or you might be interested to see what they're doing. But I went on Facebook and it didn't didn't do me a lot of good. I, I wasn't blessed to find that 30 of my closest friends had all been invited to a party that I hadn't been invited to. I wanted to delete them from my friends. Thanks very much. I don't like looking at somebody who's just had a haircut in lockdown showing off. Actually, Andy's hair on that video looked a little bit good, didn't it? I mean, mine looks like a haystack. Andy's looks suave and sophisticated, a bit suspicious there. Maybe comment comment online. Facebook is not friendship. There's no vulnerability, there's no intimacy. You put your best foot forward, you show off, you proudly declare your new car or your baked aubergines stuffed with whatever they are. It projects an image and we all like each other based on that image and that's not how we're to build the church of Jesus Christ. So I'm not saying come off Facebook, I'm just saying it may not do you a lot of good. And it certainly isn't going to build the intimate friendships that God wants us to build here at Westminster Chapel. And finally, the love that we have for each other must be unconditional. Matthew 5:16. If you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Sam Albrey in his marvellous book, Seven Myths on, on Singleness, says this, We need to rediscover a biblical category of intimacy that has been neglected in our cultural context and sadly, even in many of our churches we need to move beyond if there's one thing i'm I'm asking you this morning is when you're reimagining coming back to westminster chapel seeing each other let's move beyond anything superficial and let's be building friendships and if you're saying to me this morning on this video back at home do you know what guy I don't think I've got any friends. I've got lots of acquaintances at chapel, but no friends. Here's what you have to do. This is, the, this is my challenge to all you. Build friendship. Be friendly. You yourself take the initiative this week even and think of somebody else in this church that would so love to hear a phone call, so love to receive a card or an email, so love to receive even a gift of some flowers and do that and start to build a loving friendship even this week. We need to go deeper, brothers and sisters. Mother Teresa says this, kind words can be short and easy to speak but their echoes are truly endless. You can this week make a difference in someone else's life in this church and it only takes a little bit of effort. Finally let me say are you building the building that God's building? It says this, built, verse, built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself, the chief cornerstone, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him too you are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his Spirit. If you think that the, the, the analogy is getting less intimate can I just explain, this is getting more intimate, because the stones are having to be built together, shaped together. This is God's blueprint. If you go outside just a few feet away, there is a foundation stone, 1841, when the first building was built, before the 1861 that we're remodelling at the moment. And this imagery tells us and what this this teaching tells us is that God is building something glorious, he's building this new temple on the street and he's doing it by building lives together, firstly shaped and connected by the apostles and prophets, that's the historic doctrine, there is no extra revelation in the Bible, we're building on the Bible, we're building our, our, our foundation is biblical. But we're also recognising, because Ephesians 2 moves on to Ephesians 4, that the risen Christ gave some to the apostles and prophets in order to help the church be connected, to be connected to God, connected to each other and connected to the mission. But secondly, built on Christ himself, the chief cornerstone. You see, the cornerstone was a piece of... un blemished stone untouched stone untouched by human hands every piece of stone had to be dressed or shaped to fit around the cornerstone so our lives, we don't come to church, we don't come to um, Christianity and say, this is what I want from the church, this is what I want from Jesus. Like, I, want, I want a good kid's work, I want to, I want to shape Jesus into the, the way, way I, I
0: think Jesus should behave. No, we are shaped, we are discipled to be living stones, livingly connected together all around Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2.5 says, built into a spiritual house. The thing about the church, as this image describes, goes on to say, is it says, you two are being built together to become a dwelling. The Church of Jesus Christ, Westminster Chapel, is called to grow. We're called to grow more Christ-like. We're called to grow more together. We're called to go deeper in terms of our understanding of the word. We're called to grow larger in terms of our encompassing the city and encompassing the lost. I believe the best years are ahead of Westminster Chapel, and I believe 2021 is going to be a year of growth, unparalleled growth, as we not only go deeper in God, and deeper in the gifts of the Spirit, deeper in the charismata, but deeper too in terms of our love for the mission, and sent out. And finally, church is a place of encounter, in which God lives by His Spirit. When we come back together again, let's not just get into rows. Let's not just get into, hey, it's good to be together. Let's understand that we're bringing the presence of God as we gather together. That's where the presence of God promises to be. And we want to be right in the midst of what... God is doing by his holy Spirit, we want to be full of the charismata, full of grace, full of gifts, full of what happens next because the Holy Spirit's in the room, we want meetings like that where it's not safe, but God is present that 's what we bring not. Howard brings because he's the lead elder. Not the elders bring, not the apostle brings, we bring. As we gather together as living stones, as building what God is building, we come together and we expect God to be right in the midst. Two or three gathered, the Holy Spirit right there, the fire burning and touching lives around. So let me conclude. What are you building Let me turn to 1 Corinthians 3 as a sort of closing passage. I want to ask you, what are you building? Are you building this family? Are you building this city? Are you building this glorious temple, this building where God is present? Or are you building your own life, your own empire, your own world? Because Paul in 1 Corinthians 3, this is really challenging. I'll bring us to a consecration moment. He says, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, And someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. For no one can lay a foundation other than the foundation which is Jesus Christ. But if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed revealed with fire fire, and and the the fire will test the quality of each each person's person's work. work. If what has been built survives... The builder will receive his reward. If it is burnt up, the builder will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, even as one escaping through the flames. So, brothers and sisters, as we think about our glorious hope, think about what we were and what God's brought us into, as we think about Westminster Chapel and all that lies ahead of it, I want to encourage you together to build a church of observable glory. That we're not building stuff that in when the, our life comes to burnt up in a moment, it was all frith and nonsense, all fluff and hay. No, we're building our lives together in the way God's Word says, so that when we stand before Him, Jesus can say to us, Westminster Chapel, in your day, in your generation, well done, good and faithful servants. Let me pray for you, Lord Jesus. We thank you that you will build your church. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. Lord, I pray as we're disparate and separated today, and yet there's hope in the wind that we'll be gathering soon. I pray, Lord, for everyone listening to this screen. They would come with fresh faith to build what God is building, to drive and bring their gifts into this building so that we are building a beautiful community, a family. A beautiful temple where God lives by His Spirit, Lord. A place of encounter. A place where lives are changed. Lord, I pray send this lifeboat out into the city of London to let its light shine abroad that we might rescue many from lostness and brought into your eternal kingdom. Lord, speak into every heart, every disconnected heart, and bring us together in a united way this year, glued together by the love of Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you, and we're following you, and we want to see your glory here in this place, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, God bless you.